this is Coda Radio, episode 145 for March 16th, 2015. everyone, and welcome to Coder Radio, Jupiter Broadcasting's weekly talk show taking a pragmatic look at the art and business of software development and related technologies. This episode's brought to you by our two fine sponsors, DigitalOcean and Linux Academy. I'll tell you more about those great sponsors as this year's show goes on. My name is Chris, and joining me every single week is our excellent host, established on the East Coast and ready to go, Mr. Michael Dominic. Hey there, Michael. I am Google Android. Wow. Our, uh, uh, don't be the same... But be together, I believe, is uh, your mantra now. You will be together. But not the same. Oh, oh. Differently. Okay, differently assimilated, right. I believe that's the new marketing scheme. I might might have the details wrong on that. Uh, Yeah, guess what? We're going to talk a little bit about Android this week. You've actually been wanting to do it for a couple of weeks, but we wanted to give enough room for the topic to have air because we have a new take on this, and uh, both of us, I think, have a new take on it, which I'm kind of excited about. I'm glad we waited a week because it made the timing for me absolutely perfect. I'll tell you more about that in a little bit. Um, but okay. So uh, we have just a couple of bits of feedback we're going to do since we have the big topic uh, to jump into. And one thing I wanted to, to, to touch on because actually it affects this show. One thing we've never been able to do in 145 episodes is actually do a show in person. In fact, we've never even met in person. Isn't that weird? That is really weird. So Mike and not. I – no. No. no, Mike and I have I – mean, we video chatted. Well, that's about I it. We weren't, I thought we weren't going to tell people about that, Chris. Oh, well. What happens in Snapchat doesn't uh-huh. stay in Snapchat, unfortunately. No, but it stays in my screenshots folder. Anyway, oh, so, I yeah. have, uh, uh, so I have a plea to make to the uh, Coda Radio audience. Uh, go over to teespring.com and grab yourself a Linux Fest Northwest 2015 edition T-shirt uh, because we're going to use the money raised here to help uh, with, the co- with the travel costs to come out to Linux Fest Northwest for Mr. Michael Dominic and other hosts as well. But uh, Mike's <gasps> the top of the list there. So go over to teespring.com slash Linux. We've sold 120 towards our – get out of there. Get out of there. Towards our unlock goal of 150. 120 have been sold. We need to get to at least – but here's the really st- – at 150 – we're selling these shirts at basically cost. We're selling the T-shirts at $17, which is essentially cost because we have two goals. One is we want to raise funds for Linux Fest Northwest, but two is we want people to be able to wear swag if they go to the Linux Fest or even if you can't go to the Fest, have a little Jupiter Broadcasting swag. This is the only shirt we've ever done with the black and white edition of the Linux Action Show logo. It looks really sharp on bold colors like black, blue, or red. So we have those available as T-shirts. We also have a kid's tee, the hoodie. The hoodie's really nice. The hoodie is really, really, really nice. I'm wearing uh, right now, I'm wearing the Jupiter Broadcasting hoodie. It's the same material. It's perfect. It really is perfect. Only this one will have the Linux Action Show logo on it. Uh, and then the long sleeve shirt is one of my favorite. If you're a little heavy set like myself, uh, and I'm just pointing this out, I, most of the time I'm, I get somebody says, hey, have you lost a little weight? It's when I'm wearing one of these shirts. I don't know if it's just the way they're cut. I, that's what I like to go with. But they're also, they just hold up really well. So they're my favorite long sleeve shirts. Uh, we have that available in black and also a really nice, uh, deep, like maroon almost. And then we have the ladies' tee as well. So 14 days left. 
teespring.com slash Linux. We've sold 120 towards a goal of 150. Now, mind you, at 150 is really not going to – I mean, we really would love to get to like three, four hundred, five hundred even to really start to be able to afford to like room and uh, flight and things like that. We're going to get as close as we can. And so, of course, if we get Mike out here for Linux Fest Northwest, we're going to have to do a quarter, a quarter radio in studio. Yes, Mac Radio. What? Oh. What? No. Oh, my mic's on. <laughs> uh, He's a jackass. Th- there you go. Uh, uh, so that would be really awesome. Uh, so buy as many as you, as you can afford if you get the T-shirt because we're close, selling them very close to cost. Um, and that would be uh, very helpful. Or grab anything else and uh, help the effort. Teespring.com. Also, you can help at patreon.com slash today if you don't want swag, but you still want to lend some funds towards the effort and future events as well. Because if this goes off well... I could see us doing this like maybe once or twice a year at a, like, you know, maybe like maybe later in the year, like in October, because there's a couple of fests going on in October on the East Coast. We go over to the East Coast and then like we just have to get like Mike, like a train ticket or whatever it would be. You know, then it's a lot. But we could still do it. And you can help those future initiatives and the current one over at Patreon.com slash today. Uh, and that's going to go towards all that stuff. So I just kind of it's a little it's a little plug heavy. But I the reason why I do it is because I think we'd really enjoy an in-studio episode. We might even record a couple of them. If we had the opportunity, not to mention to have you at Linux Fest Northwest so people could come say hi if they're going to come, which would be really cool. And you get to see a pretty cool Linux Fest, one of the best. Yeah. So so let me ask you a question. Is, is like the food free as in freedom and beer? Uh, well, you don't you're not going to have to worry about that. Uh, uh, but um, they do uh, they have it is not free at the fest, but it is I think it's like five dollars or something. It's really cheap. But what it is, is that there is a culinary school there because this is at a oh, technical wait, 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 wait. college. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. Wait. The food at the Linux Fest is proprietary. It's five dollars. No, it's free. <gasps> it's free, as in you can eat it and do whatever you want on your plate. But you still have to buy. It. That's that's legit. That's legit. It is, but it is Pacific Northwest barbecued salmon, dude. It is that really good. Amazing. It's really amazing. good because that, and, can, and, I, can I come in my black turtleneck jeans? Yeah. Oh yeah. Totally. Yeah. There are people I come guess. with Max. You'd be surprised. It's a pretty welcoming crowd. I'm gonna come with the service. That. Would be interesting. No, I'm kidding. That should be fine, I would think, but I don't know. I actually don't know about the service. That's kind of funny. But it's a little uh, risky business there. They do this. They have these huge charcoal barbecues, and they put the they put the salmon on there, and they just smell so good. Now, usually, we have a crowd. Um, we're kind of like the biggest obstacle, so we usually get up and go somewhere else that that can hold us, or we split off into groups. Sure, and, sure. Uh, so that so uh, uh, also they they're going to have a. Um, <clears throat> So they've been having this after party. So there's going to be an after party after the fest, Saturday night. And uh, everybody that goes to the fest is welcome. And it's been at this uh, radio museum, which is amazing. But when we started showing up, we were bringing like a few hundred people with us. And so we were exceeding the capacity. So this year they have rented a three-story museum that we're just going to get to own for the night and have drinks and tours and stuff like that. Uh, and I think, it's going to, I think it's going to be able to fit a lot more people. So it's going to be a big party. And it's going to be – and we talked to him on, on Friday and said, so are you cool if we sort of hitch our wagon to your after party? And they're like, we got a big place because we want you to do that. The more people, the merrier. And uh, so I'm, I'm looking forward to doing that. So it's, a, it's going to be such a great event if you can make it. And the audience – Oh, I'm going to make it. Believe me. I'm, I, you know what? I'm going to hitchhike on the back of a donkey. The audience can help us. It would be a lot of fun. And it's just, I think it would be really good to get that much of the crew together too because yeah. you know, we're not usually in one spot. Uh, and, I could make a deal with the BSD devil. Yeah, <laughs> I am working. You should see me this at this time of year. This becomes a full time gig for me. Just like I am, I am working every angle. I am like I am, I am applying uh, uh, like fav- uh, for for favor cash-ins where I can. It's it's yeah. 
but it'll well, be let me, let me, you know what would help you right hmm. being more devops well, let's talk about that, and let's talk about what it really should be. Uh, so this came in from Fish Dame, and he says, So I realize that DevOps for many people is a role for a dev to set up a CI server and maybe write uh, some public configs and you know set up like a web server, things like that. Uh, and he says, This should be also done during unpaid overtime. Wow. Okay. He says, I work like uh, – he says, I would like to redefine that role. As DevOps used to be uh, used in cloud environments, or DevOps is used in cloud environments, especially in dynamic public cloud environments. And since cloud infrastructure is code that develop, uh, the DevOps need to be a real programmer and not just a sysadmin that can copy, paste, and bash. The DevOps must be part of the planning stage of the application that, to make sure the app gets designed for scaling, Mm-hmm. and utilizes the tools available in the cloud to make it loosely couple, etc. Now, uh, to refine this point a little bit, uh, Mr. 337 uh, wrote and says, I agree. There's been uh, so much DevOps hate, it isn't funny. As someone who is considered DevOps, I find it annoying. You're spot on with your interfacing with dynamic environments. For example, our flagship product knows when it's deployed on a dev machine or a cloud environment and takes advantage of both. Who do you think wrote that code in? It wasn't just a dev, but someone with strong ops knowledge. So, DevOps. It seems people keep throwing the word around without really understanding it. So, and I think the insinuation is there. Uh, uh, I think uh, what the what the problem is is it's sort of like uh, these uh, these all are more recent terms, um, and it's not just in the technical field; it's also very much in the political field. Uh, but uh, you could just take the political field. We have uh, things like DevOps and cloud, and you know encryption that are just super generic terms that everybody has their own stereotypes of or interpretations or however you want to phrase that. And I think a lot of people get stuck where the DevOps role is abusing the developer, sort of stretching the developer thinner and trying to save on a sysadmin, a proper sysadmin. Unquestionably, if you're developing your application to be infrastructure aware, you got to have some sort of uh, infrastructure knowledge. Uh, But I also sometimes wonder how much that's abstracted. Is that sitting on top of some sort of framework like OpenStack? Uh, that you know, how abstracted is that? Are you really, really, truly working down low in the interf- uh, in the in the operating system and understanding how it works and all of that? Like, if you're a TechSnap viewer, are you really doing all of that that we cover? I don't know. I, mean, no, I obviously have, not, I have right. a bias towards it a little bit, obviously. And and the only thing is, is because my bias is to not taking advantage of people. I think, Mike. I think people get taken advantage of when they get labeled DevOps. So, yeah, I mean, but I don't know. Like, you, so know, you can consider talk, yourself DevOps. I mean, you set up droplets for yourself. You know, you install yeah, some software. Yeah, or get I don't lab. know if that counts as real operations, right? Operations is more of, do you think when they're talking about it, you think it's more of at like uh, sort of the infrastructure scaling level? Yeah, I feel like most little companies don't have operations. I mean, I guess I don't consider operations till you're doing like the hard, like, oh, I'm setting up scaling servers and I'm doing, you know, load balancing and all that kind of stuff. Yeah. Yeah. You know what? That's what it is, right? That's 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 the range. See, I come from a contracting world where I worked with small businesses, you know, which are a lot of the majority of where a lot of this stuff happens at. And uh, for them, DevOps is one dev who also sets up the web server and the firewall and, you know, forwards the ports and uh, makes sure that MySQL has PHP MyAdmin installed. And that's the DevOps guy. Uh, now, I'm not trying to say that it's not a legitimate role if you're somebody who's writing code that's sort of like our uh, like our uh, poster was talking about. That seems legitimate to me, but I think it's the range of definition that people have with these terms. I wish we had I wish we had better ways to be more specific. Yeah, I mean, I, I guess the line is almost, and it's a dumb way to say it, but you know, when it could literally be its own full time job. 
Yeah. I don't think anyone could argue that the ease of use of DigitalOcean takes more than you know, five seconds to set up an instance. Plug, plug, plug. Yeah, that's a good point. Yeah. If it's more than a full-time job. Right. Yeah. Then, then if another person could legitimately be hired to do this you know, and actually be busy 40 hours a week, then, then yeah. Yeah. All right. Uh, boy, you know what? We should probably just do our DigitalOcean spot right there. Let's just do it. Since Oops. we started the plug, let's keep it going. DigitalOcean.com is a sponsor of the Coda Radio program, and for a good reason, because it's probably exactly the solution you need. Now, uh, I, I think of this is how I think of DigitalOcean, and the pricing makes a ton of sense, and the speed makes it totally possible, and the interface is just sort of the icing on the cake. When I need a Linux system, this is how I do it now. In the past, I would consider, I mean, I have a pretty decent business connection here. I would actually consider maybe spinning up a VM. And then maybe forwarding some ports, or I would consider something else, maybe even more expensive, out hosted somewhere. And that would that would be if it was something I was going to make available to the audience. That would definitely be my my direction I'd want to go. And now I don't even have to make this sort of judgment call and consideration. DigitalOcean is my infrastructure. They are my data center, and it's so great. And it's worked out so well. And you could check them out too. They're a simple cloud hosting provider that's dedicated to offering the most intuitive and easy way for you to spin up your own server. And Keep our promo code in mind, Coder Digital, because you're going to get a $10 credit when you apply that to your account. And then you can really try out DigitalOcean to see exactly what I'm talking about. Because you're going to get started in less than 55 seconds. And pricing plans start at only $5 a month. And that gets you 512 megabytes of RAM, a 20 gigabyte SSD, one CPU, and a terabyte of transfer. And it's that, that terabyte of transfer, is so, you don't really realize how much that is. Um, I guess if you think about it in terms of like a cell phone plan, it's, it's an incredible amount. But... Um, I get, like, notes uh, from people that are using DigitalOcean now for a while, and they're like, yeah, so I set it up, and I'm using OwnCloud, uh, but I still have a ton of extra bandwidth, so uh, I also started seeding my favorite Linux distribution. I just set a little throttle on there, and now I just give them a little extra bandwidth there. And I think, you know, it's kind of a nice little way to just kind of uh, quietly give back to your favorite distro, and it, it, for him it was Ubuntu Mate. And uh, I thought that was really neat. Uh, I've used it, too, to web seed, and uh, that's a great way to get the torrents really cooking. Um, and obviously I use BitTorrent Sync like crazy right now to distribute unfiltered, I don't know what I'll do with the new uh, pricing structure, but I know I'll use my backend. It'll be on DigitalOcean. Uh, and they've got data centers in New York, San Francisco, Singapore, Amsterdam, and London, so you can really get a distributed setup. It's that interface, though. It's so intuitive, and it's amazing. And you can replicate the functionality with their API, and it's a super straightforward API, so you're really going to be able to jump on that or just take advantage of stuff the community's already created. So use our code, Coder Digital. Coder Digital, it's one word, lowercase. Just apply it to your new DigitalOcean account. You get a $10 credit. Spin up the $5 rig. You can try out that $5 rig two months for free. Go play with Docker, GitLab, Ruby on Rails. All one-click installations, by the way, from DigitalOcean. Lots more, too. Lots, lots, lots more. Tons of tutorials to do other stuff as well. They also have CoreOS, which is really killer to go play with, and FreeBSD, which uh, Alan Jude tells me is fairly fancy. So go over to DigitalOcean.com and use the promo code coder DIGITAL. Apply that to your account and try it out and see what I've been talking about. It's a lot of fun. DigitalOcean.com, coder DIGITAL. And thanks, DigitalOcean, for sponsoring the Coda Radio program. Okay, Mike, so we have the cyanogen topic we could jump to, or we could do one more feedback. Your call, sir. What, would you, uh, what are you feeling like? Let's give the people their feedback. They love feedback. All right. Papa, well, we haven't, and we haven't done just like a straight-up question in a while. Papa Jamaican writes in uh, with starting with multi-user database development. He says, I run a computer refurbishing department for a nonprofit. That's awesome. Uh, we're growing slowly but surely and could use the benefits of web-accessible multi-user database for my technicians to use to automate many of the tedious documentation and label generation activities. Of course, I only want to do this using open-source technologies, including Linux, for its freedom, scalability, robustness, and strong performance on reasonable hardware. Problem is, 
I don't know where to start in self-developing this potentially massive endeavor. Hence, I beseech Coder Radio for the clear road to all answers related to the above. I will be awaiting a favorable and enlightening response. No pressure, winky face. Thanks for the awesome show, including all the Jupiter Broadcasting broadcasts. Papa Jamaican. So, he wants to do it on Linux, so, uh, you know, you get your pick of uh, any of the technologies that run there, Apache, Nginx, Node, whatever. I'm sure Michael will say Node.js. Uh, and uh, he wants to make it web accessible. Where does he start on something like this, Mike? And, and do you think, is, is he maybe, is he, is he on the wrong foot, maybe taking it on himself? Is that maybe the wrong place to start? Hmm. You know, I, I would never want to discourage someone from taking something on themselves, but but maybe. Um, the question really, how mission critical is this, right? I bet it's going to be. I mean, it's something if you put all your records into, even if even if in the first year it's not mission critical, within two or three years it's going to be super critical. Right, because that, that's kind of the, the, the issue is that, you know, if it's just something you need and – you know, not a huge deal if it has issues, then yeah, go for it. But if it's going to, you know, especially for a nonprofit, right? I don't know. I mean, well, I'm just curious, Chris. What would you do? Would you, would you well, give it a shot or would you hire it out? To be, to be honest with you, Mike, uh, this is uh, um, one of the things that uh, this, this – what he's about to do can, can absolutely lead to the path of obscene technical debt down the road. Uh, and, uh, and and become a burden and a, and a house of cards. It can also be a ma- massive improvement to productivity and uh, really be a boon. I mean, like, unquestionably, it's a good way to go. It needs to be done. In fact, I'm a little surprised it's 2015 and this hasn't been done yet. So I'd say they're behind. Yeah. Uh, so obviously it has to happen. If it's not done right, it's a huge problem. I got to be honest with you. I would defer. I would defer you, to an expert. I would even – I would consider – and I know this isn't the route he wanted at all, but see, if I was, if I was a consultant, if he had hired me, and, I, and this obviously I would get way more information before I can make a recommendation, but uh, there are, like Udu, there are, other, there are hosted right. inventory that management would, systems. That would probably be where I'd go. Is there something I can buy? Right? Well, and, you, there, and you can, yeah. you can run, I believe, I don't, I've never used their, I believe they have a hosted one, or you can download it and run their server on Linux. Yes, it costs a little bit of money. So does developing your own uh, your own system. Uh, no question about it. So I don't know. I don't know what you could look into. And of course, because you're a nonprofit, you might qualify. There are other open source inventory managements you could set up. Uh, you know, go find some of the best and then set up uh, um, like a trial and have your users trial them. You, you look into Stack Exchange too. There's, you're going to have a lot of questions you're going to need to answer. So the way to start is look for inventory management systems that have some sort of way for you to demo it. Consider using a VM so you can get quick and dirty. You need to get user buy-off. The one that has the user buy-off and the one that you're happy with, the one that meets your technical requirements, then you'll know what technology stack it requires. It's probably going to be Apache. It's probably going to be PHP. It's probably going to be MySQL or some other kind of slow SQL server, and it's going to be that standard setup. But you won't know until you pick the package. You can't, like, we can't tell you use Nginx and, uh, you know, MongoDB or, or, or Node.js, you know, we can't, we can't say what, we, what you should be using because it's all going to depend on what the software stack that you end up going with requires. And seriously consider just hosting it. Just a monthly or yearly cost. You'll probably get a great deal being a nonprofit. Consider going that route. It is so worth having somebody else whose full-time job is to make sure that system works and, and adds new features to pay for that. It's ridiculous how much worth it is. My number one problem I always get people is getting their heads around that because what they see is, well, we could probably do it with this open source stack for free, and you always recommend open source and Linux, so why don't we just take the thing you always recommend to us, Chris, and we'll just use that. Why pay a monthly service for the same hey, thing? And they can't yeah, get if, past that. If it's mission critical and you don't, 
it's one of those things you have to ask the question you probably shouldn't do it you know i, I was on the fence that as you started talking yeah definitely just buy it right because you don't want this nonprofit having a system that's not going to stay up no and it's a total legitimate business expense like yeah it's, it's like one of the most right off all yeah. the way yep so yeah. all right uh I, but you know uh, again if you if you want to go your with your own way papa jamaican uh try out vms um you know get the user stack approval uh and then uh, go from there uh go from there because uh, to me, it uh, – oh, boy. I, you know, uh, this is one of these things where I've, I've walked into places and I've seen them really botch this. And I've also walked into places and it's a really complicated system, but I can see the genius behind it. And it was really well thought out. And I sometimes have just been like, hey, let's just make this work better and keep it. It's really well done. It's a little antiquated, but it works. So, hey, uh, I got a little tease for you I want to talk about before we get into our big topic today. Um, we've been watching this story. I don't know how much you've been reading about it, but I've been following it for Tech Talk today every day. Uh, Cyanogen is just making a bunch of money uh, or is like soaking up a bunch of money like a vacuum right now and uh, has been making some pretty bold statements, which I think we talked about. Like the CEO of Cyanogen came out and said their plan is to take Android away from Google. And then there was rumors that Microsoft was going to be investing in Cyanogen. Turns out Microsoft is not. Rumors were false. Microsoft decided not to, but Cyanogen is raising $110 million right now. They've launched their own version of, uh, what are they, Ozone or what do they call it? What's their new, uh, what's their uh, chat room? What's the Cyanogen Project's new uh, Android that they're going to be shipping? I'm totally blanking, but I believe they've announced like their own fork of it. Yeah, so they're going to see a raise in $110 million from a group of financers uh, which I don't even recognize the name. I guess Microsoft uh, plans to stay in discussions with Cyanogen on possibly bundling Android apps and devices. Oh, that's what it is. You know that's why Microsoft's talking to them. They want to get the Samsung yeah. deal. They want to include they want the Microsoft exactly. apps. They want Word to be on your Android phone. Yep. Yeah, that's not a bad way to go. That's, that's a great idea. Yeah. So Android is the platform now where you've got to work with them to get your apps pre-bundled. And Cyanogen's going to make a ton of money if Microsoft Microsoft is willing to pay right now, too. This is good timing for Cyanogen. Huh. This is kind of interesting. And I think, you know, you look at Android as a platform right now, 2015 is going to be a game changer. Um, and I wonder if Cyanogen can be successful in at least getting a bigger seat at the table. And Microsoft, working with div- uh, companies like Samsung and Cyanogen to ship their flagship Microsoft products on Android devices, it reminds me of them working with OEMs to ship them with Windows. Only now their attention has to go... Yeah. That's really it, It's funny because we're going right back to what they used to do. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, they, they're, they're, like they've, they've figured out their old game for the new market. Uh, and that's, and it, that's really And you know what? It might work. It might. I don't, yeah. Well, so that takes us to our Android topic because uh, I got a lot to talk about Android. I know you do too. Uh, and so first I want to talk about our friends at Linux Academy, and then we're just going to go whole hog into this. Uh, and Linux Academy is really, really great. It is so, something set up by people perfect to do this. Uh, educators, obviously, because they have a passion to educate people, uh, but Linux enthusiasts, system administrators, and they all came together working as friends, and they created Linux Academy. And it's a really cool story. I've, I've talked to Anthony, who uh, who runs Linux Academy, about it a few times, and Every time I hear it, I hear parallels to the Jupiter Broadcasting story. Although theirs went in a little bit different direction, and one that I could kind of seen ours going too if 
uh, if uh, we had kind of gone that way, if we had thought about it and really kind of focused in on, on, on a way to sort of make revenue right away. And they were really smart because they said, we have this enthusiasm. We have this knowledge here. We, we all have these skill sets. There's just not a platform for us to do it. I mean, we could go try to get jobs at some of these other online sites, but they're all going to just be generic stuff. You know, they're, they're going to tell you how to, you can fix your kitchen sink or set up Adobe After Effects. They don't really care about Linux and open source. They don't really care about all the subject material. So when they created Linux Academy, they were able to add features that they knew people that wanted to learn about this stuff that knew these kind of materials would appreciate. Like you can choose from seven plus Linux distributions and the courseware will automatically adjust to match those distributions. The, the courseware comes with its own servers and they match the distribution you've chosen, which is really cool. So you get virtual labs and you can SSH into them from your desktop and because you know, they give you a public IP. It's, it makes it really nice. You get to keep track of your progress as you go and pick up right where you left off. They have uh, learning plans. You can set your availability and they'll automatically set up courseware that matches that. So you can say, I got a couple hours this day, a couple hours the next Next day, you know, I don't have any time on Wednesdays. That's woohoo time with the wife. You know what I'm talking about? Linux Academy, leave me alone. And Linux Academy, mm-hmm. they'll leave you alone. That's right. That's right. So that's that's what's really cool about it. So they got time. They got they got availability for whatever your schedule is. But I got I got an email here, and I printed it because I wanted to read it to you guys. Uh, and I just thought that was really this this was really cool. Uh, he said this this came from Anthony who runs Linux Academy. He says we just received word that our content has been uh, content quality approved for the 2015 exam object- objectives for the new version of LPIC one and Linux Plus exams. This is really good news because you can go there now to Linux Academy and go get learned up for the L- the LPIC exam, which is the one the, the course where I've taken and Linux Plus, which also was course where I've taken uh, in actual schools, and it would be perfect for online. And uh, it is now confirmed by CompTIA that uh, if you go there. Uh, you can go and take the test after t- after attending Linux Academy. It's a huge deal, and it's great for those of you that want to add a little stuff to your uh, resume. I was just actually contemplating in our putting a story in our Hoopla that uh, one of the number one things you can have on your resume right now is some Linux skills, regardless of what kind of position you're going for. Uh, if you're in the technology field, I thought that was interesting because that's a really good opportunity for Linux Academy, and the jobs are really picking up. Uh, and uh, they have two really big features being announced April 16th, so it's coming soon. So it's better time than ever. Go to linuxacademy.com/coders. Major content editions. It's going to be a live show on April 16th at 9 p.m. Central, and uh, you'll be able to watch that and see what the big announcement is. And uh, I think you guys are going to be pretty impressed. So go over to linuxacademy.com. Slash coders, go get started right now. Check out the courseware, and uh, then stick around for April sixteenth for uh, things to get even better. And a big thanks to Linux Academy for sponsoring the Coder Radio program. So, Mike, you know I've been I've been wearing this Pebble watch, and uh, for the first uh, couple of days I used it. I uh, hooked it up to an iPhone, and right. uh, kind of just thought, you know, let's see how it works with the iPhone. And um, oh, okay, it works all right. Basically, it's a, a remote notification screen. That's it. That's all it really does. And uh, oh, and like I can track steps and sync that with the iPhone and stuff. So then I thought, okay, well I'll try it on the Nexus. And uh, so uh, I had uh, Rikai flash my uh, take multi ROM off and uh, just set up a pure lollipop Google ROM. And uh, so just a nice, gorgeous stock image, nice and clean, runs real good. I set it up, and I, a trifecta of things happened. Uh, first of all, the Pebble Watch. Works way better with Android. <laughs> like so much yeah. more. Like I can like open like when I get a notification, I can open that app up on the Android device, and so it's ready for me when I unlock the screen. I can control my podcast player a lot better. I, so much stuff. Like stuff that I'm sure the Apple Watch will do with the iPhone, but like Pebble cannot touch on iOS right now. And I was like, okay, so this is a lot of fun because I'm just experiencing Pebble, and that's that's been. And the other thing that made it really a lot easier to move to Android this time is I'm doing all my messaging in Telegram now. 
and I'm not using iMessage at all. And so, really? Yeah, and Telegram works great on Android. So uh, that made it really easy to move over. And then the last piece, this is, sounds kind of silly, uh, but um, Spotify sounds better under Android, at least over Bluetooth, uh, stereo Bluetooth. I, I, I can't tell you what, why, but it, it went from like I can barely really listen to music because I'm, I'm, a, I'm, a, I'm a bit of an OCD nut when it comes to the compression. Uh, like I, I, I hate even listening to our shows. Because I hear what they sound like before they've been compressed, and then I have to listen to them with compression, and it, I can't do it really. So when I play back, I usually have to play back the uncompressed. Uh, and when I listen to music, like I had XM, and I canceled it because I couldn't stand how compressed XM was. And I was getting to the same point with Spotify. I'm like, God, this sounds like crap over – and I just assumed it was because I was using stereo Bluetooth because it's limited bandwidth. I get Spotify for Android going. I hook it up to the same Bluetooth uh, uh, receiver, and it sounds like – it sounds like – high fidelity audio it's like unbelievably good like I, i've never heard bluetooth audio sound so good in my life so i got these three things that i'm really enjoying and plus on top of that you know what lollipop's not bad lollipop is a pretty good operating system and it's got some nice features uh and uh there's a lot of things i'm enjoying like i'm, I'm doing uh, i'm using uh, if this then that and you know it can really do a lot of cool stuff on android i don't know what it, exactly all it can do on, on ios but on android it I does like really kind of you know some neat nifty stuff like i'm logging stuff in spreadsheets for me about when i come and go places and how much time i spend places and all of that's happening in the background uh, I, oh oh and then this and then and then on top of all of that on top of all of that i, I can't believe i'm about to say this i've actually found google now kind of handy recently because I've, I've, I've been making no. I, 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 see that's the, the shark has been jumped. No, here's why. Here's why. I've been I've been trying to die. I've been having some sleep issues and I've been trying to diagnose them. So I've been setting up appointments and stuff. And I'm really bad about this because I'm so I'm so zeroed in on our shows that I do not think about my health or anything else really. And so uh, like um, uh, Friday, I think it was. I was I don't remember what I was working, and uh, I get this notification on my Pebble from my Android saying, "Hey." Uh, traffic's bad, so if you're gonna make your uh, if you're gonna make your uh, five fifteen up in Burlington, you need to leave right now. And I wasn't planning to leave right now at all. And I'm like, what? And I look down and I look at the traffic. And I'm like, oh yeah, traffic is bad. And you know what? I got there like four or five minutes before my appointment. It was perfect. And that's not the first time that's happened in in the last week since I've been using this Android device. I'm I'm not a big Google. I don't not I don't. I, this thing is I, I'm not a big fan of of all of the invasiveness it, re- it is required. But, like, reminding me where I parked is also kind of nice sometimes. And I, I, I don't know. Like, you, 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 it's really good on Lollipop. But like, Google now goes to the next level, and so it's even more handy. Um, and it really does kind of feel like it's kind of keeping me in check a little bit. It's keeping me sane. And also I'm getting push notifications to my Pebble if there's, if there's an incident on my route home. And so I know if, if it's a bad time to leave or if I need to leave now. And I found that to be really useful too. All right, so there you go. Chris, how much are they paying you? I'm telling you. Now, I, I'm not saying I'm not saying the trade off is worth it. I'm just kind of experimenting with it right now to see what the benefit is. But uh, yeah, because I, I went all uh, on iOS. I essentially went all non Google. I was I was syncing to own cloud, uh, and I still have that all set up. But um, I I just I, I just thought, well, I I should try Lollipop. I should try the pal, and this really is a pretty good experience. So now I know you though have had maybe a different experience recently, probably from more of a developer's perspective, I assume. Yeah. So, Chris. Sir. I love Android. What? What is your current phone? 
Um, iPhone well, 6, isn't it? You see, I had some personal emails on that phone, and I deleted 30,000 of them. Um, you know, I complied with the law at the time. So great. <laughs> Is that not what you asked? Is that, was that answering a different I, question? Yeah, that was a different question. I, I, you use an iPhone 6 right now, right, as your daily driver? 6 Plus, yeah. Yeah, oh boy. Yeah, oh yeah, the big, the big papa. See, this is the true problem with Android, is there's not any good hardware. Like, because I was... So well, the next, wait, 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 that's not true. Oh, I mean, it's very I true. Still, no, it's very oh. true. Oh, it's super true. Yeah, right. no, it's crazy true. So the Nexus 5 just got discontinued, so that, well, so that, that's, that sucks. Yeah. Uh, HTC is super boring. The cameras are still too slow in them. Well, HTC is making the same phone over and over yep. again. and the M9 is boring. Uh, the Moto X 2, which at first was the phone to get, I was thinking. I did a spec-to-spec comparison to the Nexus 5. It's barely a bump up from the Nexus 5. Um, the L, same with all the LG phones. All right, they're, all, they're, about, they're all good choices, but the only phone that I truly think is a great product, I mean, and I'm talking iPhone 6 competitive, is the Galaxy S6. I was going to say, what about the S6? I mean, yeah. I'm not a Samsung fan. But then but that's, that's all touch whizzed up, man, and it's all samsung up. But I think it's a – and the reason why I say that is I've been reading specifically about the components in the S6, that processor, the new super, super tiny nanometer processor design that uses less power, produces less heat. They have an octo-core processor which is nuts. Uh, they have a very nice GPU that's competitive with the Power VR and the iPhone. No other Android phone has that as far as I know. Uh, and uh, they have, the, they have a, a proper fingerprint reader. The fact that Android has, this is the first Android device shipping with that is an embarrassment. It's an embarrassment. And I think that the S6 will see how well it works. Uh, and they have, a, they have a really good camera with a super low f-stop. I think the one of the lowest, I, don't, it's, I think there's one Nokia phone out that has the, an f-stop that low. Uh, and to me, that is that to me is a truly and, and on top of all of that, it looks really good. Yeah, I know it doesn't have SD. Yeah, I know it doesn't have a removable battery, but it looks design wise competitive with the iPhone too. Uh, so, uh, of course, funny it's glass it's glass front and back, just like the four was, right? So <laughs> that's kind of funny. Uh, but it's touch well, with what do you want in an Android phone? Though? So this I is want, interesting. I want cool. I want you know what I would take I would take um, I would take stock Google Lollipop. On an iPhone 6. That would be perfect. Because here's why. F- uh, one physical button is, is so perfect. Like uh, when, when I have games that lock up and I have no physical button to do anything, I just have to power off my phone. Having a physical button I can click down that's also a fingerprint reader is genius. And if you think about the kind of company that Apple is, this is not a company that likes holes or buttons. They don't like either one. And yet, out of all this time, they have left three physical buttons on the iPhone. The home button. The lock button. And the physical mute switch. And for the love of God, why hasn't every other Android manufacturer ripped off the physical mute switch? Uh, it is so handy to when I'm walking into my bedroom at 11 o'clock at night and my wife is already asleep and I don't want to turn my screen on to mute my phone or I don't want to have it go beep, 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 beep when I'm turning it down. I just want to flip the switch and have it go beep. And I can feel what position the switch is in too so I can already know if it's muted. It's so, I use the mute switch on the iPhone, all the time, all the time. And it's nice to have a visual indicator just looking at my phone, knowing if it's going to ring or not. The fact that I, it drives me crazy. But if nothing else, having a physical lock button and a physical home button should be fundamental. Give me at least that. And, and put a fingerprint reader in that. And that's exactly what Samsung has done. And I, I, so I think I'm going to get the S6 if I stick with Android. But I'm not happy about it because I don't really, honestly, I don't really want to buy a Samsung product. All right. So you basically, I mean, you essentially do want an iPhone with with Android on it, basically. 
Yeah, or the S6 not made by Samsung would be good. Or the Moto, the Moto X3 well, let me or something you a little, little more. Curveball, and then I'll get into my Debbie stuff because I know how upset people get. Um, what if it was like a Lumia with Android on it? That'd be great. That'd be great. I'd want the shit out of that, yeah. right? That'd yeah. be awesome. Yeah. So let me tell you why I hate Android, Chris. Okay. So uh, what does the color blue look like to you? Gold? No, what? I don't know. What? <laughs> well, if you're on a normal phone and not a Samsung, it looks pretty much like blue. Oh, yes, but the Samsung OLED or OMOLED or AOMOLED or whatever they are, they're like super saturated screens, right? Oh, there's, there's nothing like sitting on a phone for an hour trying to figure out why that's a problem. Yeah, that is weird. Yeah. You know yeah, what? Just... You know what you might say, uh, Mr. Dominic? Uh, one might say, uh, yeah, you know what some might, one might say? You know really Go for it. Well, it was. You know what really grinds? You know what? It, that was in, the, in the best here, I'll turn up a little bit so you can hear better. In the best of Peter Griffin. You know what really grinds my gears? Yeah, that is a pretty big inconsistency, isn't it? And it's not accurate, is it? No, it's not accurate. And so, okay, so I've, I've been uh, um, thrown into the abyss of having to do Android work. And, um, my God, what is wrong with you people? Is that why the apps aren't as good still? I mean, not to, not to harp on this too much, but... Like, what are you running into? Because I look at some of this stuff and, like, uh, so uh, this Meerkat came out, right, over the right. weekend or whatever. iOS only. It's yeah. it's blowing up huge. It's the biggest thing on the web over the weekend. iOS only. You know, I haven't done serious Android work in, in almost a, a little over a year now. And now I'm kind of getting back into it. And are you remember. using any weird tools? I mean, is this part of the, is it part of the tools you're using? Our little no, weird? I'm using so I, I'm totally on like the the blessed Android Studio workflow. Oh, okay. Um, because I figured, kind of getting back into it, I should go with the yeah. the tried and true. That's what I was. That's what I've been doing on the user side. Yeah. So the you know the issues aren't like obvious. This is broken. This doesn't work. Whatever. It's just things, and maybe I'll feel differently in six months after I get my sea legs again. But you know. I always wondered why do Android apps kind of look crappier? You know, you know what I mean? Just even the good ones, they they still kind of look like a slave's flattery to their iOS version. Yeah. Right? Uh, so two two thoughts on that. So it depends. Um, material design is helping. Like one right. thing I've noticed is like there's cute little animations now in more of my apps, like in in Pocket Cast and in Telegram. There's little there's little animated uh, elements that I go, oh, I, I I like that for some reason, and I think it's because it's a touch device. That kind of responsiveness, that sort of animated responsiveness to me is very satisfying. And so I like that a lot. I don't even consider it eye candy. I consider it to be sort of user feedback. The, the, you know, the touch device is giving me good kinds of feedback. So when they pull it off, it works pretty well. And I would kind of point to like Pocket Cast as one that does it pretty well. Then you got your other side of the fence, like apps like Spotify. And Spotify feels like a sad clone of their iOS app. And it even does like – so you know in iOS – uh, Apple will, iOS will just kind of give you that background element blur that kind of blurs whatever's behind it with the, when the new sheet yeah, comes up. Yeah, the, the default transparency. Yeah. Thing. Well, and I, on the Android app, you can tell they're faking it because the sheet comes up and then the, 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 the blur just kind of snaps in like a half a second, like a right. little bit later. Just a little bit later that, 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 like, okay, it's taken a screenshot. It's blurred that screenshot. It's obviously doing it on disk. Yeah, like, yeah, it's ready. Yeah. Right, right, right. Yeah. And it's like, so oh, it, okay, that's In that's defense of the Spotify Android devs, right? That may that is not really end end of Android. That's not a limitation of Android. Part of the problem is that a lot of uh, either customers or project managers or whoever are kind of saying, "Oh, and you know, we paid some designer to do these comps, and the designer obviously did them for iPhone, so we're not paying for second comps." 
So yeah, yeah here, here you go. Yeah. It pushes me over to good things like Google Music, but then it's not as a competitive a product for me specifically. Cause I kinda well, like the- I mean, it's funny you mentioned material design, right? Because at its core, what does material design actually do, if you think about it? It simplifies your UI, right? It makes everything colors, flat, text. Kind of very iOS 7. Yeah. But what, that, that actually solves a problem of, you know, if you're using background images all over the place in Android, there's going to be one or two phones where that really looks crappy on. Yeah. Oh, for sure, for sure. Um, but if you're using a, just a text gradient that you're generating either through a, uh, you know, to, to Android's credit, I love the way it handles color resources, right? You can do a color resource in XML, and, and the tooling will actually show you a little hex code, of the, a little hex like square, like a, almost like a dot of the color. So, oh, did I type it wrong or is something wrong? It tells you that right immediately like what color it's going to render as, assuming you're not on Samsung. Why... You know, I, it's funny. Like they've got the Gradle tooling so much better than what it used to be, right? You can you have your little Gradle file. You add your dependencies. Assuming your things are sane and compatible with the version of Android you're using, it pulls them right in. Yeah. Awesome. Then you go into the Android GUI tool. Absolutely horrible. Like I put that next to uh, next, and I know Android people like it, but I put it next to Xcode's uh, storyboard tool. Mm. <laughs> and there's, you know, yes, Xcode crashes like a fiend. But <laughs> yeah. you know what? When it works, I can whip together an entire app's layouts in a day and then just code the logic. Where on Android, I spend more time fighting with the layout than I do with – That know. could be newness, you know, as those – as you sort of – okay, as you, you know, as you sort of get hammered into you, this is the way it just works better. And then you get better well, at doing that a lot it's faster. It's funny because I, I reached out to, you know, someone I know who's much deeper into Android than me and his response was just use the XML. Hmm. And I seem, and I kind of googled it, Stack Overflow as well. Just use the XML. I don't even, what is that, Xamarin? No, no, that's uh, that's Xcode you got there. Yeah, yeah. I was just looking um, at the layout editor. Uh, it, 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 it's weird, but it's weirdly better in some ways, right? So Android yeah. was built with the idea of relative layouts right in the beginning, right? Yep. So everything is geared towards that. Yep. But that makes it really, really hard to do these crazy pixel perfect designs. Yeah, I, oh, so is it isn't it time to give up on that a little bit? Like, what if that's just not Android platforms? Look, like that's one of the things I've been thinking about is right. what if Material really does take off and they iterate on it some more? At, you know, every every Google conference they release the next Material iteration, and it's it's really just a very flat, very clean, um, and and more more appropriate on a wider range of devices, honestly, and even web pages. Like that's what Material is supposed to be all about. So, what if like? If that is successful, do you think you could see clients coming to the to that to that reality? Could clients could clients come to the point where they want to stop branding their app with their vision? No, never. And, and because to, no, I, I don't think you're ever going to get there. I think yeah. you know it's funny because in some ways I actually like the way and like when I dig into the XML and do it that way, I like the way it does it better because you can do things like someone's saying in the chat by percentages, by gravity, stuff yeah, like yeah. that. Yeah. And that makes the whole relative side of things a lot easier. It's just, I guess I expected Android Studio's tooling to be a little more sophisticated it's, on the GUI side. It's a lot like, of things. Ex- it's like yeah, a lot of things around Android. You're kind of like, oh, I, I'm kind of surprised by this time at a platform Google hasn't made this better, made this part better. Like, I. E- I don't, I don't expect, like, what these relative... Because even in iOS, right, you can't slap together, you know, a storyboard and, and deal with relative layouts. You have to then go back and do the constraints for the different screen sizes. Um, but 
I didn't think it would be so like basically you have to use the XML. Like you have to, and one while you're in there, you may as well just do everything relative. So I, I look at this and I think to myself, this is really, it's kind of one of these things where it's kind of like too bad because um, there is just, it's, we, we talked about Meerkat, how it's just totally, it's totally just become this huge thing. Um, and now it's at South by Southwest. It's going to, it's blowing up the entire time because it's on a mobile platform. It's not available anywhere else. Same thing right. is going to happen on Android. Uh, and well, so I, I, see, it's so huge. And it's, you're gonna, it's just going to be these things where these tools are just you're going to have to bear down and just do it. You know, I don't know, too, is it, you know, one, I'll be honest, the thing I'm doing is not Android ideal. Like, the design is not material. So by, just by that, I'm fighting a huge, 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 huge battle. Well, and wouldn't you have some similar problems if you weren't going to make it look like an iOS 8 app? Because no, no, because you can do specific layouts. Well, you know what it is. I, I think, and, and uh, Adam from Vancouver is um, making a great point. Even in .NET, you eventually have to drop into the XML. That's true. That's why I don't like Xamarin. Right. I'm not saying you should be able to do the whole thing at the GUI. I'm saying they could have put a little more effort into polishing the GUI as just a simple prototyping thing. So you could slap together a prototype. You know, even if it only worked well on one or two devices. Right? Yeah, that is a kind of a key thing. Right. And we do, I do that with Xcode all the time. I slap together a quick photo of prototype that's hard laid out for my phone that I can just show someone. You know, is this what you had in mind? On Android, I mean, yeah, okay, maybe, maybe this is not a problem that needs to be solved. Um, you know, I, I wouldn't give up, the, particularly the way it deals with gravity, mm. not like, you know, drop a ball of gravity, but gravity on the screen. Mm-hmm. I wouldn't give that up to have a better GUI tool. But I wonder why the GUI tool is there, since it's so not practical. Hmm. Check like, it's box. nice that it renders your XML for you, and maybe that's how you're supposed to use it, and that's awesome. But if that's all it is, then okay. Um, the other thing is I find, I find myself relying on Google Play services very, very heavily. Yeah, of course. Which scares the crap out of me. Of course it does. Because how does that all work? Now let's flip the side. Though. Let's flip that coin. Apple right. changes their mind all the time on stuff. Look, and they'll give you three yeah. months. Three well, months. Apple ships broken APIs, right? Think about iCloud. I mean, so yeah. it's not. Uh, yeah. So are you worried? Because you're worried Google's going to change it, take it away, something like that. Is well, that what you're worried about? I, so the whole way Play Services work scares me, right? You you have your Android phone and Google Play Services installed in it. Is there ever? A, and I don't know if this is true. What happens if Play Services isn't there? Like, is there ever a case where that could happen? I know if you download an app that needs it, it downloads it for you, blah, blah, blah. But why can't we just, you know, throw that in the SDK? Well, if it's not a Google-blessed device, it doesn't have Google Play Services, right? So if it's it's a cheap Chinese device that maybe doesn't have Google's blessing, it might not have it. Or I'm sure, do Kindles, Fires have it? No, they don't have it. That's a bit of a problem. They must download it, though, right? Mm, it's much less of a problem than you think. Uh, the Kindle Fire, I don't... But you if know, you need I, to play API, you need to play API. Like, I, feel why, I feel like the whole play services thing, it, it only exists to solve the problem of the carriers not cooperating. Yes. 
which is fine, but it feels kludgy. Yeah, well, no, it's not. That's no, no, no. That's just part of it. It's that's a part, an important part of it, but it's also part of locking, uh, getting power over the uh, OEMs that are creating devices that want Google services. It's a there's a huge part of that. The more they can push through that, then the more you need Google Play services on the device right. you ship, and that's a huge lever for Google to pull. Right, right. I mean, it, it's funny because you know. Initially, I was very frustrated on Android when you and I first privately talked about this topic. And I, and I like kind of get how it wants you to do things again. They have definitely focused on like the build process, like Gradle, in the, in, since the time I kind of left it, which is awesome. I mean, being able to just list the dependency and have Gradle pull it for me is amazing. Yeah. And like, I, so I, I won't do iOS work without CocoaPods, right? Because I, I just can't. Like, I can't deal with copying and pasting your little open source library into my, you know, support uh, directory. <laughs> But I, I guess I wonder, like, you know, it, I'm, I have no doubt in my mind that this problem is solved by material design with the layouts. But what happens if someone doesn't want that? Is it just that, oh, well, you have, you know, different images for the screen resolutions? Because that's what we used to do, right? So that that's, was the old, that's what you have to do, right? That was the old Android solution. You had high def. No, I think that's the non-material the, solution, <laughs> maybe? Right. But that was the old way. Like, when I did it, like, you know, a year and a half ago, two years ago, that's what you did. You had, like, high res, low res, medium res, blah, 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 or DPI, they called it. That seems terrible. This is how they're going to get everybody using material design, Mike, is this, this right here. Right. It just sucks. Like, it, it's like... Because I could see how much easier this would be if I were if I were doing material design. Like I could just see it. Think about like, how Google I, works across the board. Every Google product is essentially an incentive system. They they don't make you do anything, but they give you like Google Now. I feel kind of guilty for using it, but you know what? It's actually helped me make my life right. a little more efficient. Even a little tiny bit more efficiency a couple of times a week is pretty addicting. Uh, Google Docs. I don't like using it. I can't find a better solution for collaborative editing in super real time. Uh, with hosts that are like on the East Coast. So uh, right. I, I use it. Same with play services. Same with material design, isn't it? Oh, yeah. Like I'm not, I'm, you know, I actually have been enjoying doing Android um, development. I just, it's so obvious that there's a way, and I guess Apple does the same thing. Oh, they, but see, this is the difference though. And I wonder if, if this is maybe the fundamental issue that you run into as a longtime uh, iOS developer is, Apple will give you one avenue, and because they focus only on that one avenue, it's honestly a bit a little better paved. Google is not going to stop you from doing it however you want to do it, but because there are other options, it's almost like they don't feel as much pressure to make the one they make official that much better. Like it's like because you have other routes you can take, like the pressure's off a little bit to make it the one that they've provided a little less perfect. Does that make sense? Um, I mean, I I haven't. <laughs> Maybe, I, you know, I, I don't, I don't feel like I'm being coerced into doing material. No. And the reality is, I can't. Right, I, I can't do it. That's not the spec, so I don't have a whole lot of choices. But I do feel like things are a lot harder than they need to be. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, Android does some weird stuff, um, and and to be fair, I kind of agree that we should all go more flat, more material. Um, because I think it just looks better. Hmm. Um, I also agree that you know, even when I did Android before Android Studio was a thing, I was using IntelliJ because Eclipse sucks, right? Mm-hmm. So going to Android Studio since it is IntelliJ was not right, right. a big leap for me. Um, I don't know. You know, I 
I like it, but I worry that I'm being forced into a big, big dependency here. Like this app just wouldn't run if you didn't have play services. And uh, <clears throat> and it, it wouldn't, you know. Think about think about when Windows was originally sort of rolling out and getting dominance. There's nothing really in Windows that made it dependent on Microsoft until they brought out Windows Update. But you could essentially even still download the updates offline and install them. You you could run you could run a Windows box and have it be totally independent of Microsoft after the initial installation. Android is at a level of deployment now that exceeds whatever Windows could have ever dreamed of. And it is essentially coming with this huge dependency on the mothership. And uh, I, I find that to be pretty weird. And it's not like Google like totally did it intentionally. I mean, they kind of did to keep levers, levers of control, but they also had to respond to the carriers, right? Uh, and but when you hear about when you hear about like companies like Cyanogen wanting to take take power over Android, and you, you know you got a lot of companies that are competing with Google these days. You got to wonder if maybe someday things change, and then what? Well, I think if you go on the Google Play Store, you see what, right? I mean, there's just a lot of Android apps that are, are frankly, crappy-looking and old. And, and to be fair, there's a bunch of iOS apps like that too, right, that look like iOS 4. Yeah. Uh, I, I, all, all, my whole point is, I guess I, you know, one thing I really didn't like was, like, I'm using Google Maps. All this crazy registration for Google Maps. Like, you know, it's not hard. You, you generate a key, you send it, you get it back, blah, blah, blah. Why do I need to register for this? I mean, you're giving it as part of the platform. And what are you doing with that information? More importantly, right, since you have to have a fingerprint for every app that uses Google Maps. Sure. Um, I'm sure they're tracking. I mean, I, it's obvious that they are. But are you ever going to just say, you know what, we don't like your app anymore, cut off? You know, I mean, I just they I, wouldn't, but they could, right? And and that, that's kind of a weird position to be in. I just don't see the difference, though, that you ha- you have that same position with Apple or Microsoft. The only only place you wouldn't have that kind of position is in really the desktop or right. or another another open mobile platform or the web. And 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 how do you get around that, Mike? I mean, I yes, I agree. You and I both probably fear Google to just sort of change things on a whim a little more. Like all of a sudden, oh, one day they just start publishing your address or something like that. So I guess. I understand maybe why with Google you feel a little more I mean, fear than with Google's, Apple, but it yeah, seems like Google's it's the same thing. developers before on Android but, too, but right? But so that, is Apple. Yeah, that's true. I mean, I guess the way Apple burns you is they they just don't let you in the store and then they burn you. Yeah, right. I, I'm not. Well, actually, you remember like that guy that made the widget, right? And then like they they, they like they then like a couple they weeks into him, they yeah, feature so, him and then they pull his app. No, they're both terrible. I mean, don't get me wrong; like everybody sucks. Yeah, welcome to the new world. Ah. <sighs> Yeah, I agree though. Like what? So I what? Here's here's where I'm coming to, is uh, Android is to me, it, it definitely for technical people, probably the better platform, and it seems like the it is the longer term bet too. However, there is just such a like. There's no overcast for for Android. You know, I mean, there's right, and, the and is nice, issue. but there's no yeah, there's no overcast, and there's the apps. There is still a difference. Google's apps are really great on Android though. But there's so many other apps. I just kind of wish I mean, it. I, you know, and I don't think that's really so, – so, so there's a, things I don't like as a developer and things that the revenue curve just don't support, right? I mean, not to get back into like, you know, all the, you know, uh, what was it, Monument Valley, all those people releasing the revenue information. Mm-hmm. 
it is a hard time to be on the Android side of life. But then again, you know, is, is Apple just backward, right? Is is the Apple ecosystem just clinging to a business model that doesn't really work? You know, should we all just be service providers? In terms of, you know, you, you this app is just a front end to the service. God, I mean, because the thing is that the Apple model seems to work for like 8% of the apps that get submitted to the App Store. Um, right. Well, when it works, it works really, really well. Right. But it really seems to be like if you want something sustainable that will help you develop something that you can budget, you do need to have some sort of reoccurring revenue. Right. And, uh, yeah, I don't know. thing is that people, are rev- people get subscription um, you know, they get uh, uh, weared out of having so many subscriptions. So that doesn't seem like that's going to be something that can go there. It's going to have to be cheap. There's going to be a race to the bottom there if that happens. It doesn't really solve that problem. I don't know. Right. That's an interesting question, though. I'd be really curious to get audience feedback on that particular one because it's something that's crossed my mind a couple of times, too, is is it really is the best option for these kind of services? And, you know, you look at something like Overcast, it really is essentially a service-powered app. Marco's made a, a decent front end with a great audio engine, and then he pu- pushes everything via the web, even the order of the, the, the settings menu. And uh, there's a couple other games I've been playing that do that too, a couple of games that do that. And you have to have that service piece to it. Hmm. Interesting spot. I don't know. Do you have any other thoughts? you want to leave it at that and see what the no, audience thinks? Just maybe, you know, I can see the chat room. Uh, the day that the web takes over with the day I, I die crying. If we all go, I'm sorry, but I still have issues with web apps. Like I know, I know, I, I know, I know, I, I know, I know. Wait, that's the yeah. wrong, that's the wrong show. Uh, here we go. Let's see. Wait, there's the show. I have a lot of. He's uh, a jackass. Hey, get out of here! I have a lot of soundboards. If we were doing a lot of stuff today on the soundboard uh, before the show. Uh, Mr. Dominic, where would you like to send people throughout the week? Uh, I'll give them our feedback for the show, but you know, if they want to get a little more of you, you. Go to DominicM.com. Oh, okay. You can follow me on Twitter. I'm at ChrisLES. Tweet me there. That's a good way to get feedback to me. Hey, but how about you give the feedback to the show? CodaRadio.reddit.com. That's my favorite spot. That's our subreddit. You can also give topic ideas and just engage with the community. And if you want to send an email, go to JupiterBroadcasting.com. Click the contact link and choose Coda Radio from the dropdown. Oh, and don't forget we're live. JBLive.tv. We do this show on Mondays, noon Pacific, 3 p.m. Eastern. You get to help suggest titles for the show. Chat room. Start bang suggesting right now. All right, Mr. Dominic, you have a great week. Go uh, take a long walk, take a stretch. Everybody, thank you for joining us. We'll see you right back here next week.